0: well we want to we want to see what the bible says a little bit beyond what we've looked at these last couple of weeks in the christmas season it's a different way of understanding god in flesh i want you to open your bibles with me to hebrews chapter one and this is a great chapter of scripture that has just so many wonderful things in it and it all talks about jesus hebrews is a book all about the excellence of jesus it is about who he is and what he did, and it's about the preeminence of Jesus. It's about him being supreme. It's about him being better than all of the things that were in the Old Testament. It is about him being better than the shadows that we see in the Old Testament. Hebrews is a book that tells us that he is greater, that he is the one that we need to embrace, that he is the one that all of those things in the Old Testament were pointing to over and over and over again. And so the first couple of uh, verses in Hebrews are all about Jesus Christ and they fit in quite well with our Christmas celebration and they lead us up to the time when we will celebrate the Lord's Supper together this morning. Hebrews 1, the first couple of verses says this, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels. And he inherited a more excellent name than they. For To which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn in the world, he says, And I lift all the angels of God, and I let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels wings and his ministers flame of fire? But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the world, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will all become like an old garment, like a mantle. You will roll them up like a garment. They will also be changed, but you are the same, and your ears will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation what a great chapter talking about jesus over and over again we just want to look at the first couple of verses it says god after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways you know god has always been speaking god has always been revealing himself to us one of the neat things about our god is that he has made it very clear that he wants us to know him and he has been revealing himself to us throughout all of the what we would call the known time of life. He began to reveal himself to us right away. As soon as Adam and Eve were created, there it is, and he begins to reveal himself. And he continued to do that more and more and more and more and more. You read the Old Testament, the prophets. You are learning about Jesus. You read about how he works through the kings and the prophets and through the judges and all the different people. He has constantly been revealing himself to us. There are people that say, Well, how can you know? Well, you can know because God has laid it out for us. Study the scriptures, read the scriptures, get into the scriptures and find out what it is that God has for you. You know, there's there's way too many of us in, in Christianity that we don't read the scriptures. We read a portion of the scripture. We kind of are stuck in, in these passages that we really like or in this section. And that's why it's so incredibly important that you read through. On a regular basis i would encourage you if you're reading through with us as a church you know we're in jeremiah right now it's it's just three chapters a week is all we're reading but we're working our way through the old testament or maybe you want to grab that book that is in the back on, on the welcome table and read through the bible with us this year and you're in the old testament you're in the new testament you're in psalms you're in proverbs or go online and find another reading schedule read through the bible it's important that you go through and that you're in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament because you will find God revealing himself to us in amazing ways in the Old Testament. Now, I will grant you that there are times when you're reading the Old Testament and you may read that chapter and you may say, oh, I don't know. Okay, there's those times. But there's other times when you read those chapters and you say, wow, look. Look how God revealed himself. Look what God is saying. Look at how he is he is helping people to know who he is. So God has revealed himself. He has always been, is now, and will always be an active God in revealing himself to his children. God wants you to know him. And he has spoken long ago, and he is speaking now. He spoke to the fathers, the Old Testament saints. He spoke to the prophets. He did this in many ways times in many ways through all of the 39 old testament books he spoke through visions he spoke through dreams he spoke through people writing it down he spoke through the kings and the judges all of those people as i said a moment ago he is constantly revealing himself to us and the more we the more we paid attention the more we saw god and the more we saw truth And we began to understand him a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. But there was always that question about how does that practically work out in life? How is it that I can walk with him? How is it that I can know this holy God? He was revealing himself. He was telling us about himself. He was letting us know over and over again the prophecies were pointing toward Jesus Christ. And I needed to see him. And so the Bible says... In verse 2, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, in these last days. And that's just referring to the fact that Jesus has come to earth. It's just in these last days, it's simply referring to the fact that the Messiah has come, what we celebrated during the Christmas season. So God spoke through the Old Testament, and now he has spoken in a different way. The writer of Hebrews says that he has spoken through his son. He has spoken through his son, Jesus Christ, God in flesh, as we celebrated this last week. Over and over and over again in the Old Testament, we read how to live. We read how to approach God. We read how to be godly. But there was always that question of, how do I really do it? How do I apply it? The Old Testament constantly was saying, here's the holy God. Here's unholy man. Here are the rules and regulations. Here are the things you're supposed to do. Here's how you should behave and act. But there was always that, we're not quite there. How do I do it? How do I live those things out? How do I get there? Then Jesus Christ appeared on the scene. I hope that you understand that one of the reasons why Jesus Christ came, obviously to redeem us, but a side benefit of that was he came to show us how to live on this earth and have a relationship with the Father. He showed us what a spirit-filled human being looks like. Jesus you need to be reading the Gospels you need to be studying what it is that Jesus did and said and how he acted and and all of those things because that's where we're really gonna get it because in these last days God has spoken to us in his son and he said here this is how you live your life this is how you do it this is the the big picture And all of a sudden, we see God in a brand new way. So we need to pay attention. We need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, as the epistles tell us, on a regular basis. We need to do what he does. We need to act like he does. We need to pay attention to all of those New Testament books because it is telling us, this is how you live. This is what you do. We see that we have a manual given to us In an incredibly wonderful way so that we can know God and that we can be who we ought to be well notice what he says here he says in these last days he has spoken to us in his son whom he appointed heir of all things heir of all things everything that is God's is the son's because the son is God and he gets it all and as we have seen over and over again Emmanuel was not less than He was indeed God in the flesh. God has called Jesus his son, but he has done that so that we can understand it. It's a title so that we get it, so that we can relate to it, so that it makes sense to us. It's not a a position that is lesser than. The Bible is very clear that Jesus is equal to, in fact, he is God. It says that, He made him, he appointed him heir of all things through also he made the world. We talked about that a little bit during the Christmas season. That this babe in the manger was the one who made everything we know. He's the creator. Not only did Jesus Christ make what we see, but he made everything we can't see as well. He made the visible and the invisible. He made the massively large things and the tiny little things that we're just beginning to discover through the powerful microscopes that we have. And he made the things that are far away that we're beginning to discover through the powerful telescopes that we have. He made it all. He made everything. He created time and space and energy and matter and I and, and I know that I harp on that sometimes, but it's important that we understand that there was nothing made that was not made by Jesus. He did it all. We worship him. There is nothing that did not come from him. And then we need to add that he is the sustainer of all life. I think that it's it's a it's an important thing for us to understand that the reason why gravity works is because Jesus is keeps gravity working. The reason why the world goes around the sun is because Jesus makes that happen. The reason why the earth turns on its axis is because Jesus makes that happen. The reason why it's tilted the way it's tilted, when it's tilted and how it's tilted, so we get the seasons, is because Jesus makes that happen. The reason why we can function with this combination of whatever it is that we breathe called oxygen is because Jesus makes it work. He's the one. He sustains it all your very being every single moment of every single day is dependent upon the creator of the universe who keeps things going keeps you going he's the one there are way too many people and there are way too many christians who believe that that god kind of wound everything up stepped back and said let's see how it works out god never never took his hands off you, never took his hands off his creation. He certainly never wound it up and said, let's see what happens. He is intimately involved in every single thing. And that takes faith, doesn't it, to believe that? That takes faith to practice that. And one of our prayers needs to be on a regular basis. God, increase my faith. Increase my faith that I would believe that and I would understand that and I would cherish that so that I could walk with you as I ought he is the creator he is the sustainer he is the one who does it all notice what it says in verse 3 and he speaking of emmanuel he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and he upholds all things by the world of his power and that's what i said a moment ago that's what we we're talking about he upholds all things by the word of his power he's the radiance and the exact representation of his nature. Remember how we have said over and over again, and we talk a lot about the fact that to glorify God means to put him on display? Look, look at that. Look, look what God does. Look what God is doing. Well, when Jesus came to earth, the glory of God was a constant thing on this earth. Look. Look at him. Look at how he loves Look at how he heals. Look at how he teaches. Listen to what he says when he teaches. Look at his compassion. Look at his care. Look at his relationship with the Father. All of those things. It goes on and on and on and on. It was, look, God is on display right now. His glory is seen. He is the exact radiance and representation of the Father on this earth. We cannot see God in his complete and total glory, but we do see Jesus. And in seeing Jesus, we see God. Jesus made it very clear. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am he. I am representing him. I am on this earth. In me, you see him. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Turn with me to flip over to Colossians 1 real quick. Colossians 1, just for one little verse. It says in verse 15 that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. God said, look, in physical form, you can now know who I am. You can now understand. You can talk with me. You can figure it out. You can see it. And we're able to do that, and that is a wonderful thing, and we praise him for all of that. It goes on in that verse in Hebrews there, chapter 1, verse 3, where I talked about that, that he upholds all things by the word of his power simply because he determines it to be so. And he says, this is the way I want it to be. It goes on in that verse and says, when he had made purification for sins. Purification for sins. We took a look at Isaiah chapter 53 in Sunday school this morning. The adults looked at most of it, or part of it. (laughs) The kids and teens probably looked at all of it. What an incredible chapter. When we begin to understand that he made purification for sins. What a statement. Purification for sins. If you were in Sunday school, our mind's already there. But for those of you who weren't, let's, let's get there real quick. Let's think about who we are and how we live and what we say and what we do, and our actions, our behaviors, and understand that Jesus made purification for your sins. He cleansed you. He purified you. He died on the cross for you. He did that for you. God in flesh wouldn't it it have been enough for God to appear in the flesh and to say here I am so that you can know me better and I will explain to you how to live I will explain to you how to do what you need to do so that you can finally have a relationship with me that you need to have but that wouldn't have worked would it he went that next step and said, I am here to be that sacrifice. I am here to be that propitiation. I am here to satisfy God's wrath in a complete way by dying on the cross. He made purification for sins. There is not one sin that you have ever committed or ever will commit that can be outside of the realm of Jesus Christ purifying you. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Look at all of the people in the Bible. Look at all of the different examples of who God saves. All sorts of people. People that you know, maybe people that you are. God saves. He made purification for sins. That's really the the Christmas celebration, isn't it? Not just that He came in the manger. He came to die on the cross. He made purification for sins. Turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. You know, Joseph was told that he should name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Sounds like a pretty simple statement, doesn't it? Sounds like a simple thing, and yet we understand that it was an incredibly costly thing. He cleansed us from our sins. He purged us from our sins. He dealt with the sin problem. He who had done no wrong, he who knew no sin, became sin for us on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold. Isn't that interesting? That, that that we think is the most costly and valuable and precious thing, that wasn't good enough to redeem us. You can take all of your silver and gold, which represents all of your material wealth, take every single thing you have and pile it at the feet of god and it's not good enough you can't buy your salvation with material goods knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited for your forefathers the way that you've always lived the way that you always thought your sinful lifestyle you were redeemed from that with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Again, we were there during the Sunday school hour. Powerful chapter, Isaiah 53. The blood of Christ. How often do we just presume upon the Lord and the blood of Christ with our sins and our lifestyle and our choices? Ah, I'm forgiven. He'll forgive me. It'll be okay. It's no big deal. It is a big deal. Because it costs a lot. The precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. That's what Emmanuel did for us. When he had made purification of sins, when he did that, us I hope that you are worshiping Emmanuel in this way that your Christmas celebration doesn't stop and you don't give it thought as to what goes on next and what he did and why he came you've maybe read those things about him coming and you've spent time thinking about that go to the next step why did he come what did he do it's a wonderful thing that we talk about the fact that, that he comes and we have that, that uh, um, Advent where we read this, the, the passages and we get ready for his coming, and that's a really cool thing, and, and that's great to do. But maybe after Christmas we ought to come up with a bunch of things and read a snapshot of his life and what he did up until the cross and be reminded this is the continuation of the story. He died for us. On the cross his precious blood well back in hebrews 1 he made purification of sins and then then he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high after accomplishing the work he sat down a picture of it being finished completely nothing else had to be done what he did was all that had to be done and all that could be done so that we might have the life that we have today. It is finished. What a contrast that is to the New Testament. There was never any finished, excuse me, of the contrast to the Old Testament. There was never any finished work in the Old Testament. Never. It always had to be done again, and again, and again, and again. There was never a time when the Lord came down and said to the priest, you have finally, finally done enough. Be done. There was never once when he came down and said, let's abolish the temple. Let's be done with it because finally we've offered enough sacrifices. There was no finished work until Jesus Christ. It is finished, he said. And he sat down on the right hand of the Father. It is done. We honor him because of what he did. We show him the authority that he is due because of what he did. He, he has done, and He has set up this whole thing called rest because of what He has done. We can rest in Him because of what He has done. It says in verse 4, then, becoming much better than the angels, He inherited a more excellent name than they. There's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. Jesus Christ. He's the name. Better name When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he inherited a more excellent name than they. He's much better. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. First day of a brand new year, it's good to be in this this day. In the first day of a brand new year, it's good for us to celebrate the Lord's Supper and remember he's done for us and look forward to how he's going to continue to do great things for us by celebrating the lord's supper we remember that emmanuel came and this is why he came to die on the cross for us and to shed our blood shed his blood for us we're going to do things just a tad differently this morning not much not like last time just a little bit different i'm gonna ask the Gentlemen, if they'd come forward and be seated right now, and I'm going to ask Tammy if you would come on up right now. We would prepare for the Lord's Supper. As we get ready for the Lord's Supper this morning, Tammy's going to sing a song for us. And the words are not in your bulletin. You have nothing to look at. You can just watch the cross. You can just pray. You can sit there. But I want to ask that you allow the Spirit to minister through her words this morning. And take us to the Lord's Supper when she's done we're gonna pass out the bread immediately with no commentary sometimes I think that all we as preachers do is mess things up with our words so she's gonna finish singing we're gonna pass out the elements immediately so that this is a continuation of, of worship and focus it in on, on a manual and what he has done for us let's pray and Tammy will start father We do thank you so very much for Emmanuel and what he has done for us. We thank you for the fact that he is better and he came to show us God and to die on the cross to give us purification of sins, to be the propitiation. And I just pray that your spirit would work through Tammy as she sings and that, that you would minister to us through the words And then, Father, that, that we will be focusing in and concentrating on the fact that you gave yourself for us. And because of that, we have the life that we have, a relationship with you, and eternal life. Father, just direct our attention and our hearts toward you as we worship in this way. We pray in Jesus' name.